You're listening to End of the Line on WRIR 97.3 FM, Richmond. End of the Line is an ongoing podcast about the pipeline struggles in Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic. I'm Whitney Whiting. Those of us who were on the pipeline path were like going, oh my God, you know, it's going to come through my property. What's this going to do to my well? You know, we're all reliant on well water up here. Here in Montgomery, we're on a well here. I mean, and we don't have, there is no access to public water. The water, the water. You compromise our water, you compromise 10,000 miles of watershed. Four major metropolitan areas, 28 counties. This is episode 10. It's Friday, December 1st. And in just five days, a small group of Virginia citizens called the State Water Control Board will deliver what could be the deciding factor for whether the Mountain Valley and Atlantic Coast pipelines are allowed to cross the state of Virginia. These two nearly identical high-pressure fracked gas pipelines have been called unprecedented by former employees of the DEQ, both in terms of construction and potential impacts to Virginia waterways. Not only could these two projects devastate Virginia waters, disrupting Tier 3 streams and tributaries that form the headwaters of nearly every major river in the state, but as Tom Hadwin explained in Episode 7, the cost of transporting natural gas through Dominion's Atlantic Coast Pipeline would force Dominion customers to pay an extra $2 billion in energy bills over the next several years. That is, if the State Water Control Board grants permits for the pipelines. Mike Carter's parents are in the direct path of the proposed Mountain Valley Pipeline, or MVP, in Franklin County. Here, just a stone's throw from their back door, the MVP would straddle a steep ridge running parallel to the creek below. But for Mike, fighting the MVP is about much more than just his parents' property. Off of the Blue Ridge Parkway and start to enter Franklin County, it's an area called Adney Gap. And uh, those slopes at Adney Gap are 90 degrees in some instances, and they plan on plowing through there. And that's where the headwaters of the Blackwater River watershed form. It's, they're tier one streams. Uh, microscopic life forms in those streams, which comes downstream to where the Blackwater starts to form up. That's the beginning of the food chain for our entire watershed, which eventually ends up in Smith Mountain Lake. And watershed, I think, is a term that more people know now than did in the past, but just in case they don't, that is an area in which all the water that falls on that area is going to end up flowing out at one particular point. And so everything that happens on that landscape can affect that stream or the number of streams that flow through it. David Sly is a former employee of the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality and currently conservation director for Wild Virginia. There are small watersheds in the path, the proposed path of both of these pipelines that have 
brook trout streams that have people's water supplies and water supplies for their animals. And upstream of where they take that water that they value so highly, you have pipelines crossing dozens and dozens of acres of land up and down the mountains along the ridge tops, all of which feed into that, to that stream system. That river that Mike mentioned, the Blackwater River, it's where the town of Rocky Mount gets its drinking water. And initially, uh, Mountain Valley intended to dig through the Blackwater River just upstream from the town of Rocky Mount's water plant. We did, we were successful in getting the town of Rocky Mount to send a resolution. And at this time, they have shifted away from that water crossing above the plant but they're still on the entire watershed all the way to the Blackwater River. As an example, Mike showed us the very stream that runs behind his parents' house, just below the ridge where MVP would run its pipe. And it's clean, it's clear. It's... Oh yeah, the, the hydrologist we had that came over here said it was really a, a pristine stream and he you know, knew all about the the microorganisms that were in here and it's spring-fed and he couldn't believe the, the, the quality of the water in this stream in an agricultural area. Yeah, and this is part of Rocky Mount's drinking water. This dumps in the Blackwater River upstream from the town of Rocky Mount's treatment plant. So anything that comes through here uh, ends up in their water system. My water system, I drink. You know, well water, well water, there's an, a number of little springs through here that will be impacted by widening this road. Right. I mean, there's that's Grace Terry pointing out all of the households that are reliant on well water as we drive through Benton Mountain to her family home. This farm belonged to the Terrys years ago, so our cemetery is still here. Grace is sixth generation Benton Mountain. She grew up in nearby Roanoke but no place is dearer to her and her siblings than their family farm. On the mountain. But my two brothers, they never wanted to live anywhere else. Like my brother, he graduated from VMI and got married in the yard and moved into his new house all on the same day. Wow. <laughs> As we drove up the narrow road to her brother's house, she stopped to point at the tall brown grasses growing up in the fields a sure sign of wetlands, and the pink ribbons marking the pipeline's proposed path. See this? Yeah. Can you, they've got it, some flagging in there. Look how wet it is. So there's, see? Oh yeah. But everywhere on Bet Mountain's like that because it, it's it, like um, the forester. So I drove him down here because he had to figure out where he was gonna hike to look at the pipeline route. Um, and he said that that Bet Mountain is really a special place because it's what's called an upland wetland. They're rare, yeah. and so you're high up, but there's bedrock close to the surface, you know. So the water that comes off somewhere higher just comes down and just sits, and it's there's nowhere for it to drain. And so that's why there's wetlands everywhere, and that's why there's such um, diversity of wildlife and plant life and and I know there's this one lady up here um, during the surveying that came from Craig County, and she's some kind of soil scientist. 
And she was saying there's just, um, she said there's just food everywhere here. David Sly says the number of unique water bodies that would be affected by these two pipelines are huge. They number in the thousands, many of which are still unknown due to the unpredictable nature of many underground streams. But even more important, I think, is the richness and the, the variety of places. And that's one of the things that's so disturbing about what the Virginia DEQ and others, the Corps of Engineers, do, is they look at these uh, water body crossings and other water body impacts as if they're kind of a one-size-fits-all situation. And every stream and every wetland and every water body is unique. The thing is that anybody else who's being regulated by the DEQ across Virginia, if you're going to build a project, if you have a factory and you're going to discharge water, every, every one of those is required to answer for what they're going to do to this stream that's immediate to them and answer the questions as to how their activity is going to be good enough to protect this stream. And yet the state so far is proposing to address these pipelines as if, oh, we can do this in this blanket kind of cursory fashion. And that's completely unacceptable. It's scientifically invalid to make those kinds of assumptions. And it's illegal, by the way. On our drive through the Terry's farm, I finally got to lay eyes on one of the creeks I've heard about most often in the last several months. And this is Bottom Creek. Oh, this is Bottom Creek. This is Creek. Bottom Creek, yeah. Oh. <laughs> You've heard of it. Uh-huh. That's me snapping a photo of what Grace and her siblings call the waterfall. It's just a little ways from where her brother now lives. And in episode two, Mert Reeves mentioned Bottom Creek as one of the prime reasons she moved to Bent Mountain. Bottom Creek is a tier three stream. When I moved up here, I was told that by everybody that lived up here. So it's something that we were proud of. And it's a major tributary of the Renegade River. Yeah. So the part that's designated tier three by DEQ, and that's, you know, so there are 10 streams in Virginia that have achieved that designation, special, you know, protected waters or whatever. The section that's um, tier three of this creek is within the Nature Conservancy Bottom Creek Gorge property. See, this is upstream of that. So this is even probably cleaner. And right over there, do you see that solar panel yeah. standing on? So last week, you know, I called my brother Coles one night about something pipeline related, I'm sure. And he, when he answered the phone, he was in the middle of saying, okay, it was nice meeting you guys. Talk to you later. I said, oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a company you want to call me back? And he said, just a couple of guys from DEQ. And I was oh. like, what? Because it was about 8.30 at night. You know, I'm like, what? What are they doing there? What do they want? And he said, well, they're going to put this monitoring thing in my, in, in my creek. And they said, uh, you know, so they can see when the pipeline messes the water up, you know. And uh, I was like, Coles, you didn't sign anything, did you? 
He said, no. I said, let me call Bert right away. So, I mean, Bert, I called her and she's, she didn't like the sounds of it either. And she was over at their, she went zipping over to their house, you know, right away to get the full story. Later, Grace would find out from a couple named Bob and Roberta Johnson that the device had been installed and that according to Bob, it was a good choice. The Johnsons actually played a huge role in making sure that Bottom Creek received Tier 3 designation, also known as Exceptional State Waters by the DEQ. These were the good guys, is how he put it, because Bob is retired from DEQ, but he is still in contact with some of his old co-workers, and, and he feels the same way, that it's all they're being pressured politically from the governor's office. If you're just tuning in, you're catching End of the Line, an ongoing podcast about the pipeline struggles in Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic. This is episode 10, and we're talking about water once again, because in just five days, the State Water Control Board will hold the first of four meetings to decide whether to grant water permits for the Atlantic Coast and Mountain Valley pipelines. If you want to know more about how these pipelines will impact Virginia water, we highly recommend that you check out episodes four and five on soundcloud.com slash pipeline podcast. By now, it's well known that sitting Governor Terry McAuliffe hasn't flinched in his support for the Mountain Valley and Atlantic Coast pipelines. However, his successor, Governor-elect Ralph Northam, in the face of growing pipeline opposition during his bid for governor, has drifted to what some characterize as a more neutral position. Before the November election, Northam was quoted saying that he would support the recommendations of the DEQ, so long as the process was scientific and transparent. According to David Sly, former employee of the DEQ, the process thus far has failed to meet that criteria. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, how is it that you who have been working in this field for 35 years and who was a regulator yourself and who's an attorney if you can't understand exactly what they're doing here, how can anybody else? And that's a great question. And the fact is that I struggle every day. I have to ask DEQ detailed questions about exactly what even rules they're working under. These processes have been the most convoluted, confusing, and, and frankly, um, improperly run processes that I've ever seen. And that's not just in Virginia. I've looked at regulatory processes and worked in them in 10 states across the Southeast. And this process is so fatally flawed that if it's not fixed, it, it, it really taints the whole outcome. In just the last few months, state regulators in North Carolina have pushed back four times against what they call inadequate plans from the Atlantic Coast Pipeline. Now, pipeline opposition in Virginia turns its eyes to the State Water Control Board. The Water Control Board has the regulatory duty 
to decide whether they will deny or grant these certifications, one for each pipeline. So that will be the official legal word of the state of Virginia when they make that decision. Those are the people that we're really going to have to count on. We're going to have to count on them to question the DEQ and to say, no, you can't just give us these vague assurances and tell us that everything's okay. We're hearing all, these, all this information, all these details about why it's going to be a problem. And so we're really counting on those folks. Those are, those are citizens who are appointed to this board. They're our representatives. Grace Terry says that after three years of fighting the Mountain Valley Pipeline, it's hard to know who to trust. She initially felt this doubt when the DEQ attempted to place a device on her brother's property in order to collect data on Bottom Creek. Honestly, this whole experience, it's, I feel like it's changed me, so, so I don't know sometimes whether to be trustful or suspicious and right. and it turned out that that it was going to be a positive thing so because they said that they had been pushing for two years the biologists within DEQ had been trying to get um, monitoring sites on particularly clean waters. According to Grace, the DEQ installed four devices along Bottom Creek just a couple months ago in order to compare the areas impacted by the pipeline with those that are not. So does this mean the DEQ thinks that the decision on state water permits has already been made? So those draft water quality certifications laid out what DEQ at least tentatively says it will take before the State Water Control Board. Now they have made clear that although that draft said that they would recommend that these things be approved, that certification be issued, they've made clear, and it, and it has to be clear, that that's not a done deal. Um, they are supposed to look at all these comments, they're supposed to listen to everything that people said in the hearing, and make a final recommendation to the board that actually uh, represents the science and the law and the reality out there on the ground. But that's what they will do is, after all the after they look at all the comments and think about all the issues, they're supposed to come up with a final recommendation that goes to the State Water Control Board. And they cannot issue that certification, and this is what the law says, unless they can assure that protections will be good enough, until they can assure that water quality standards will be met. You, you go see some of these areas that could and frankly would be destroyed. And you realize it goes way past any kind of esoteric idea of, well, we just want beautiful, nice places. This is life. And it's not a slogan that water is life, especially if you live out there and that is your, that is your supply. And as would be expected, it's the people who live in these rural areas who know the land the best. Franklin County uh, did a USDA soil study in Franklin County. So every 
parcel of property in Franklin County has been analyzed with all the different types of soil, the erodibility of these soils, uh, acidity of these soils, what type of plants will grow in them. A large portion of Franklin County has a type of soil that's very acidic to buried steel. So I cannot imagine that's going to work well with a buried 42-inch pipeline when the coating comes off of that and they've buried it in these highly acidic soils. In fact, the DEQ brought out the issue of acidic soils in their comments on the draft EIS. That's something that I could add, is that despite the fact that we're very critical of DEQ pushing forward with this process in the way it has, we have praise for the technical and scientific people down within those agencies who have been looking at these things because when they made comments on the draft environmental impact statements for both MVP and ACP, they brought out things that are exactly in line with what we've been raising and yet their bosses, the heads of DEQ and, and the administration are not putting those facts and those requirements into the regulatory process. And the state folks said, wherever you have these acidic soils, these acid-producing soils, if you disturb them, then you may be releasing acid into the water bodies. And you should study in each of these areas whether you need to drill under it instead of disturbing it at all. That was in their recommendations to FERC. So we said, if you can make recommendations to FERC, which you can pretty much be assured they will ignore, then you should be prepared to put it in your regulatory documents and make it mandatory. And yet they're not, they're not uh, respecting that work. They're not respecting the, the knowledge and the expertise and the dedication of their own people. I can tell you that I still know plenty of people over there, and there are people, just talked to somebody two days ago, who said, you know, there are people who are livid about what's happening with these pipelines, who are discouraged, who are embarrassed by what's happening. You know, when we've complained about what the state's doing, I, I know at one point, Secretary Molly Ward said, well, we have dozens of really dedicated people who've been involved in this, she's absolutely right. We've never disputed that for a second. But again, when they don't take the work and the knowledge and the expertise of their people and, and, and put it into the regulatory decision, then they're betraying their own people. They're the ones who are, are showing disrespect to those folks, not us. We have respect for the people who are trying to do it right. But I know citizens out there who, who this has become their second job. They go to work, they come home, and they dig into reports, and they get on the internet and do research, and they find things that the DEQ hasn't bothered to look for. And that's a crime. That is just wrong because this is people's lives. This is what they've worked their whole their whole lives for. It's their heritage, it's their families. And the threat of taking that away and not even doing the job correctly, not even applying the law the way it's written is, is a crime.
We're going to leave the episode there for now. And when you hear from us again, End of the Line will bring you the outcome from next week's State Water Control Board meetings and the results for the pipeline permits. If you'd like to attend those State Water Control Board meetings, they will begin in five days on December 6th. The first two dates for the Mountain Valley Pipeline will take place December 6th and December 7th, beginning at 9.30 a.m. And the meetings for the Atlantic Coast Pipeline will take place on December 11th and 12th. All four meetings will be held here in Richmond at the Trinity Family Life Center at 3601 Dill Road in Richmond, Virginia. Again, if you'd like to learn more about the threats these pipelines pose to Virginia water, go to soundcloud.com slash pipeline podcast and check out episodes four and five. In those episodes, we heard about the hazards of constructing 42-inch pipelines over steep slopes that are prone to massive flooding, erosion, and what the violent blasting through delicate karst terrain could do to people's water. And lastly, we'll hear a couple excerpts from one of the public comment sessions that took place over the summer in Harrisonburg, Virginia. More to come in the next episode of End of the Line. The DEQ needs to do its job. That's why I'm here, to ask you to do that. Because I know that your boss, David Paler, is in the, in the in Dominion's pocket because he goes on golf trips, paid for by, by Dominion. And I know that, I know that his boss, Ty McCauliffe, it, it sees this as his pipeline. So I want to ask you, as, as human beings that live in this state, as fellow residents of Virginia, to please, DQ, just do the job that you're paid to do. And assess every single individual waterway. Otherwise, it's a sham. It's a complete sham. This whole process is a sham if you don't. Your authority as the Department of Environmental Quality lies in your mandate to protect our water to keep it clean and free-flowing. You must assure the citizens of the Commonwealth of Virginia that you will study steep slope and slide-prone areas, environmental monitoring and inspection, karst mitigation, spill prevention, riparian buffer protection, water quality monitoring, and the protection of public water supplies. Please have the courage to look to the future of Earth, Virginia, and our children and stop these pipelines. Thank you. Thank you.